This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. Good morning, everybody. Morning Breath starts right now. This is Mark Cook sitting in to host Morning Breath today, and we're so glad you're with us on this Wednesday, May 27th. It's probably, uh, depending on what time of day you're listening, it's 90 degrees. <laughs> no, no matter what, uh, that's, that's how it's been lately. So I, the other day I wanted to mow the grass, and I was like, I'll wait until the afternoon, and I'm waiting for it to get to be about uh, 4.30, and it was 90 degrees at 4.30. So happy happy late spring. It feels like summer in Florida. We're so glad you're joining us. It was 99 in the sun yesterday. 99 in the sun. That is the voice of the my my most favorite and by far the most adorable uh, morning breath co-host. That's Angela human that Cook. work walks on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> she is. We always do morning breath together, and she is doing the show with me today. We're also in here with uh, Nick, who is on the board, making all things possible. Hey yo, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Glad you're with us. Thank you. Glad you're pushing all the buttons and moving all the levers. Yeah, making all the dribbles Someone, run. Yeah, someone's got to do it. Yes, Amen. and you do it well. So thank you. We are uh, morning breath is a drive time devotion, sure to jumpstart your day. So what we do is we read a chapter of the Bible. We read it before we come to the studio down here at uh, Merritt Island and the campus of East Coast Christian Center, and then we read it on the air and we talk about whatever God breathes on. We keep it fresh, and so uh, the best way to to stay connected to morning breath is to have a morning breath guide. And you can get that one of several ways. You yes. can jump on to, do you want to tell them how to do it? I guess do I it. can. You're tell looking at how. me like you want me to. The East Coast <laughs> app or uccc.us for info, events, past sermons, and morning breath episodes. You can call the church office at 452-1060 and we will mail you um, more information about morning breath. Um, and the, you. like you mentioned, you started me off, you were telling me to let them know how they can get a morning breath guide. You can also find our morning breath guide on all of our soap and wolf pack cards um, that you can follow along with that. Also, um, we want you to check out our online services this weekend. That's a great way to stay connected right now. We have started back um, coming to church in the building. Um, You do that at your own um, desire and what God's calling you to do, but we're here waiting for you. And so we're thankful for that, but you can stay updated with all the latest because things have changed so crazily over the last several months. One minute, it's one thing next minute, um, just in our world, not necessarily here at East coast, but, um, you can stay updated on our East coast, um, Facebook pages, social media, um, just keep up with the app online, just to see, you know, what's the latest going on. We'll make sure we communicate very clearly when you can be here, when you can get online, when you can listen to Morning Breath. <laughs> we are here for you. We are, and it's a ton of fun. And so we're going to jump right into it. We're in the book of Romans. If you've been following along, you know that. And Romans is an incredible book. And uh, we have the joy of doing Romans chapter 7 today. And so I'm reading from the New King James Version. Yes. And you are reading the message today. Yes, and you're going to read first. We I am going to read 25 verses. I'm in the message. Yep. And so I'm going to read up through verse 12, and then uh, Miss Angela, you will pick it up. Miss Angela? Verse 13. Mrs. Sorry. Oh, brother, I'm your wife. <laughs> you don't even call me Angela. When Mark calls me Angela, it's very strange sounding. Mama, Mama Ange. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to get you started, and All I'm right. going to say unto you, read, sir. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. 
so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. I can already hear your next question, verse 13. Does that mean I can't even trust what God, or what is good, that is the law? Is good just as dangerous as evil? No, again, sin simply did what sin is so famous for doing, using the good as a cover to tempt me to do what would finally destroy me. By hiding within God's good commandment, sin did far more mischief than it could ever have accomplished on its own. I can anticipate the response that is coming now. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Amen. Man, what an incredible word. And this is this passage, this chapter should empower us to be able to look inside and go, okay, wow, this makes sense. Yes. This explains everything. Yeah. And it should give you peace. And I'm going to start at okay. the beginning of the chapter. Okay. Because, yes. Because this is such an important point, and it's a point I've actually made on Morning Breath before. I actually, I, I've referred, I remember several times I've referred, but I've said it says in Romans chapter 7, because this is so critical, this first, uh, for it's like one, verse uh, 1 through 6, when he explains the, the, the relationship that we have to the law, 
and how that is he he compares it to marriage. And so I've I've actually heard this question asked. And it's actually a question that you can go out and you can find this question asked a lot of times and explained a lot of different ways. What laws do we carry over from the Old Testament mm. now that we're in the New Covenant? Mm. That question is answered so clearly throughout Paul's writings, but very much at the beginning of Romans chapter 7, because he says, look, think about your... Rel-, and when I and again, let me define the law. When we talk about the law, we are talking about the performance-based mindset that says, if I, can, if I work hard enough, I can try to earn it, and then it carries with it the failure of being able to, to earn. You cannot earn righteousness with God. So there's that pursuit that always ends up in the falling short. And so one of two things happens. You either feel down on yourself because you keep falling short, or you get this lofty idea that you're doing well, and then you get down on other people. Either way, you're down on somebody. That's what the law does, and that's what a performance-based mindset does. And it never actually gets us, whether we think it does or not, it never gets us into a place of right standing with God. So when Paul says, since I am speaking to those who understand law... Yeah. Where are the people carrying it over from? Where are the people getting these ideas? They're getting it from the from the Ten Commandments. Okay, you and know, they're. I mean, the law was extensive. Yeah, it not was. just the first Ten Commandments. Right, but that's the core of yeah. it. The, the foundational element of the law is the Ten Commandments, and it's just the idea of okay, I got to keep these rules, and if I can keep these rules, then I'm right with God. Yes. and that's not true. So going back to what you were starting with. Right. So that whole concept is, so we've got this idea. I want to define it so we know what we're talking about when we say the law. Sure. It's that performance-based mindset. And so he says that there was a time when, when you were married to that concept, like a woman is married to a husband. But when that husband dies, that woman is free to marry another. If she marries another while that husband's alive, that's adultery. But if he has died, then she is free to marry another, and there is no condemnation. There's no law against that. And our relationship to the law and the answer to the question of what laws do we carry over, if, the, if, if we died to the law, then that thing needs to stay buried. Mm. We don't carry stuff over. We are led—it says uh, here in this passage of Scripture, it says that we serve in, the, in verse 6, in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter— we don't serve in the oldness of the letter, but how do I know what to do? How do I, don't I need a commandment to tell me to do the right thing? No. The Holy Spirit will lead you to do the right thing. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in contradiction to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do that sinful thing. And so if we choose that sinful thing anyway, it's not because we didn't have a commandment. If I'd have just had a commandment, I would have kept... No, you wouldn't have. We had the commandments. Mankind had the law of God and could never, ever keep it. And so this it's a fallacy to think that we need a commandment, because the commandment is what—in in this chapter it teaches—the commandment is what causes sin to come alive. Mm-hmm. Sin is what comes alive— you might, you might never think to covet, Paul said, but then a law comes and says, don't covet. And all of a sudden now, well, I want that thing. Well, I like in the message, you read this out of the New King James, in the message, those verses 1 through like 12, really 1 through 12 were really good. It said, um, if the law was bad as all that, it's no better than sin itself. That's certainly not true. The law had a perfectly legitimate function. Without its clear guidelines for right or wrong, moral behavior would be mostly guesswork. Apart from succinct surgical command, you shall not covet, I could have dressed covetousness up to look like a virtue and ruined my life with it. And how many times do we take, like you said, these little laws, we bring them over and we dress them up 
to look like virtue and they literally could ruin our life. Yeah. When you try so hard to continue holding on to certain law patterns and dress it up like righteousness, dress it up like virtue, that's what that's saying. That's what it's going to do to you. Yeah. And that's what Paul was saying here. Paul goes on in, in other books in the in the New Testament to say he was the chief of all sinners, but he was the, also the one who kept the law to the letter. Yeah. Like this was a guy who wasn't, I mean, he wasn't unaware of what people were going to be dealing with, which is why I love how he lays this part of the the chapter out where he's like, I can hear what you're going to ask next, because that is what happens to us. Yeah. I feel like when you come out of um, a sin lifestyle, so before you're really um, in a relationship with God, um, I came out of a den- denominational background also like you, and you've mentioned, we've talked about this before. Um, it was all about works. I mean, it was what you did. Um, being Catholic, it was about going to confession. It was about giving your offerings. It was about being um, going through communion, confirmation. You had to do all of these t- things to kind of be a good Catholic. Um, and nothing, none of it was bad. Taking right. communion is not bad. Getting confirmed in a church is not bad. It sh- it's saying you're being loyal. You're committed to the cause of God. All those things are not bad, but those aren't what are going to get you righteous yes. <laughs> is basically what yeah. it boils down to. And so coming from the background of a denominational you know, thinking, there's a lot of legalism involved with that. Yeah. And so it's so funny. So I heard you and Pastor Brian last week talking about what is morning breath, and it's not really a time for teaching per se, but it's almost impossible for two teachers to get on yeah. morning breath, which Mark and I both are um, by our in our background, teachers. And I think we probably gift out as teachers, too, yes. to be honest with you. Teachers, not T-shirts. Teachers. <laughs> um, and so, but also, what is the Spirit speaking? And I think the Holy Spirit definitely moves um, in a teacher's heart. And that's what makes a teacher want to teach is the Holy Spirit. But it is really crazy because last Tuesday, my sister-in-law and I, Jessica, were talking about this very passage. Didn't even know it was Romans 7. We just started talking. And then just this morning, you asked me to come do this with you. I don't ever really know what I'm going to do morning breath with Mark. It's kind of when I need to fill in or he needs to fill in and I come and help him. Um, And so I had no clue we'd be talking about this day. So the Holy Spirit started speaking days ago about this passage. And so we've been talking a lot about grace and a lot about the difference between grace and the law. And so my sister-in-law and I were also talking about it. And when you look at Romans 7 and any chapter really of the Bible through the eyes of the law, I will tell you that this was the first time I've ever realized when Paul is talking about certain things that he wasn't talking about having to keep things a certain way. Even when I would read the beginning of this chapter through the eyes of law, I was like, oh yeah, no, women should not get get remarried unless their husband has died that is adultery like i saw it so black and white and through the law that this is a passage that is taken out of context this is not talking about now don't get me wrong there's probably something else tied up in this but this is not talking about what is right or wrong in marriage this is an example of the need to die to the law yes or die for die to yeah. the law. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Read, read. Yeah. And this isn't about whether a woman should get married before her husband. You know, like it's, yeah. this is not about adultery. Yeah. Don't, don't look in the new covenant <laughs> and find laws. And we, right. uh, we are, the church capital yes. C is so good at looking in the new covenant and finding laws in the middle of a passage but, that says you're dead to the law. Yeah. Look at what's good. So then you go down into the part where Paul's like, I do what I do. And you can attest to this. Yeah. 
all my whole life hearing this passage, oh, I honestly, from the, through the eyes of the law, I saw this as Paul belly aching and oh, woe is me about how he can't do what's right when he wants to do it and he's yeah. always doing what's wrong. And the legalist Boo-hoo. in you says, pull it together, Paul, just do what's right. I you got a commandment. Do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all I could see was this person wallowing and I would start to do the same. Oh, I'd sin and I'd be like, oh, woe is me. I'm the worst, most foul sinner ever. I really felt that way. Yeah. I genuinely saw this through the eyes of the law thinking, but that is not what Paul's doing here at all. And that's why I really wanted to read it out of the message, that portion. He lays it out so clear. He's he's explaining, like you're trying, think of how many times the word do is used in that moment. He says it over and over and over and over. It does not matter what you do or don't do. And that is his point. It does not matter. It's not about what you do and it's not about what you don't do. What a wretched man I am. Yeah. That's all you are if all you see life through is the law. That is that is so <laughs> that's such a good word. That if was all, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If all you see life through is the law, then yes. Oh you wretched are man wretched that I am. Man that, oh. and because you can't win. It's an impossible right. the gate that deck is fully and completely stacked against you and you'll never overcome it. Uh, and so the the effort to to live life uh, out of our own will and power to keep the law, it's impossible. And you're so, I love what you, you brought out the point. How are, what through what lens are we reading God's word? Yes. Because if we're reading the word of God through the lens of law and performance, we are always going to see the message the wrong way. And it's when that veil comes off. And that veil can only come off in Christ Jesus, Paul said. Yeah. When they lift the veil, when Jesus comes and removes the veil, when grace invades your life, you should have a whole new Bible in front of you. Absolutely. I think, honestly, even, I, I think I talked about it maybe last time, grace is not a fruit of the Spirit. It is the gift of God. Yeah. Like, it is a free gift from the Lord Jesus Christ, from God himself, come down from heaven. Like, yeah. it is a gift. The fruit of the Spirit is, an, to me, a response to that believing and receiving that free gift of grace. Yes. And so... What Paul says in another book, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, um, I would love for you to prophesy, I'd love for you to do this, but more than anything, I would love for, he says, love triumphs all of these things. Basically, that whole chapter is about love really is what triumphs. And, but that love, that kind of love cannot come if you're always trying to do the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, I need more patience. No, you don't. Oh, I need to love more. No, you don't. Oh, I need more joy. No, you don't. Why? Because if you truly believe and you have completely been convinced and persuaded that it is only by the grace of God through Jesus Christ that you have been saved, that you already have all of that, there's, you're not ever going to be able to attain all the love, all the joy, all the peace, patience, giant kindness. Nothing in you can actually do that in and of yourself. Right. The only way it can happen is through grace. And then you have all the love you need. I am preaching to myself, too, to be honest with you. Like, I struggle with this. We all struggle with this. And I love verse 14. I can't anticipate the response coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this your experience, Paul? He says, yes, I am full of myself. After all, we're all full of ourselves. We're full of ourselves until Jesus. Yes. And so I just love that. It's there were so many verses that just kept popping into my brain as I'm reading this. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, it all makes sense. Yes. When you plug grace into this situation, it all makes sense. If you're always reading the Bible through the lens of the law, there's always missing pieces to the puzzle. Mm. That's a great picture. There's always missing pieces to the puzzle, but there's a master key. 
Grace is the master key that unlocks the true message that God has for us. And so if we can just read the word and understand it, and this is a drum, and, and sometimes I think to myself, gosh, all I ever want to talk about is grace. But you know what? <laughs> it, it, it fits every single conversation. Yeah. Because if we will look at this, and this is the thing that I keep coming back to, everything about the New Testament, this is the message. And Paul repeats it over and over and over, and we see it with Peter, and we see it with all the New Testament writers, that grace is the point. And the reason they had to keep saying it over and over, and the reason we need to keep reading it over and over is because we live in a world that is not a grace world. Right. It's a contrary message, and so we have to continue to Bible-thump ourselves with the grace message to keep it in front of us and to keep it in us so that we can walk through it. <laughs> Bible-thump yourself. Yeah, I mean, but, Nick, but we're not start in a Bible-thumping ourselves But not in, in a law way. We've got we've to keep grace— we got to just, you know, absorb it at every opportunity because it's it's something that it, if as soon as we stop looking at it, we're going to go right back to the law because that's what that, what's out there. So just a reminder on this, uh, you know, what, what Paul is saying, what was the purpose of the law then? Are, what are you guys saying? Uh, you know, are you saying that, you know, there's the, the, the Ten Commandments are meaningless? And it, no, the commandment is holy, just, and good, mm. but it has no power to make us holy, yeah. just, and good. The only thing that can make us holy is the finished work of Jesus yeah. through faith in his name. That's the only way. So the law shows us where we've fallen short, and the law clarifies why Paul would say in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, because the law makes it clear that that's the case. The law is what tells us that sin is sinful. Right. You know, it says in Romans, uh, just a couple of chapters ago, Romans 5.13, mm-hmm. Hang on, let me look at it, because now it went out of my head. Romans 5.13 says... In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Yeah, sin is not imputed, it says in the New Kings, yeah. when there is no law. When there's no law, sin's not imputed. If if there's no speed limit, you can't, you can't speed. Right. It's when you see the sign that says 40 miles an hour, and you look down and you're doing 60... That you know you're you know now sin has come alive because yeah. now you have a choice. Now you can choose to look around and go, well, there's no cops, there's nobody on the road. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Or do you slow down and re- so now, boom, sin revived. Yeah. Because you're gonna you're gonna make the wrong choice if you go 41, you've sinned, right? Oh. That's legalism. Right. But where <laughs> sin multiplied, grace multiplied grace, even more. Yes. Yeah. And that and so that's the thing to keep in mind. We don't we're not throwing the law. The law is what tells us what is sinful. And Paul paints this picture so well in Galatians chapter three. He says, Look, the law was the tutor to mm. bring us to Christ. Under the law, we're like school children. We have to be told every single thing. No, that's wrong. No, don't do that, Johnny. No, Johnny. Now you gotta look both ways before you cross the street, Johnny. Everything has to be told to us, and correction has to come. But under grace, when Jesus has come, we have arrived. We graduate. Gr- mm. Grace is for graduates. Aww. That's Grace yeah. is for graduates. Yeah. You graduate from the law into grace. So don't go backwards. Yeah. You've died to the law. That, that husband that we were married to, it's dead. Yeah. It we was precious. It, and that's the yes. thing. It was so precious to the people. But there's something new. It was a type. It was a shadow. Yes. It wasn't the thing. And the yes. thing is Jesus Christ. Yeah. The law, John 117, this is you can build your life on this verse if you can get if you can understand it. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth 
came by Jesus Christ. There's a line there. It's called the cross. Yeah. The, wow. <laughs> the cross is the delineator. And if it if it's if it's there, then it means something. It's where the law was fulfilled and where grace began. So we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Need a fence professionally done the first time? Hercules and Atlas Fence, owned and operated by Mike Green, has been certified since 1960. No job is too small or too big. Hercules and Atlas Fence, 321-258-9853. Or visit us online at ineedafencenow.com. Take this year with God at East Coast Christian University to truly understand why and how to continue your destiny and walk with Christ. Earn your associate's, bachelor's, and master's degree. Our instructors are experienced, helpful, and show a genuine love for studying the Word of God. East Coast Christian University is located at 670 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. For more information, our number is 452-1060, extension 131, and our website is eccuequipped.com. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hey everyone, this is Chris Johnson, and I wanted to share some exciting news with our Morning Breath family. My friend, Mike Green, and I had the honor of writing and producing our first EP called Moments Matter. Moments, they matter. Moments, they matter. Oh, yes, they do. Mike, a local business owner and Morning Breath supporter, along with myself, have been a part of East Coast Christian Center and Morning Breath together for almost two decades. And so we wanted to let you in on a preview of the music and to let you know that Moments Matter, our first single from the EP, is out now. You can buy, stream, or share it now on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere music is sold, or check out willingheartmusic.com. We pray these songs will inspire you to make the most of every moment God gives you. Coast Vieira meets every week at Vieira High School at 9:15 and 10:45 with a high energy and dynamic children's ministry for all ages. East Coast Vieira Youth meets every Sunday night at 6 p.m. For more information or to learn more, our website is vieira.eccc.us. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning Morning Breath. Yes, welcome back. You can tell we're pretty passionate about this subject, yes? Grace. Yes. Um, In verses 17 through 20, it's a little difficult in the message to know exactly which verse you're in, but it says, I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. And then down in verse 25, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can do it and he does do it. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. And I just love that 
I can't do it. You can't do it. We can't do anything without Jesus Christ. That's the answer. He said, I need something more. You know what you need? You need Jesus Christ. That's what you need more. You don't need more rules. You don't need more devotional books. You don't need more um, Bible studies. Now, those things are all wonderful. You should be studying your Bible. You should be reading devotions. You should be pressing in. Exactly. (laughs) You should be pressing into all of those things. Be a tutor of the word or be tutored by the word, but the word is Jesus Christ. That's what you need. That's what you need. You just need Jesus. Amen. And and remember that the next time we want to judge somebody else for falling short. They just need Jesus too. They need the the life-changing message of unmerited favor. Grace. Amen. Yep. Thanks, Mama Ange. Hey, thanks. Love you. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.